We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, for another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The Chicago Bears are 4-1 after their big primetime win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming, and we're going to break down that big win over the Buccaneers, as well as preview this week's matchup at Carolina, the first of two straight road games for the Bears as they look to build on their 4-1 record. Aaron, that was a heck of a game on Thursday night, man, and I was a little surprised. Uh, we both picked against the Bears, but, hey, they kind of proved us wrong. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting one. I mean, it, it started off, you know, when they got down 13 nothing. I'm thinking, here we go again, man, and especially on, you know, primetime, all that fun stuff, and somehow, some way, they, they got the offense going, and then they had the big, uh, big turnover when – Kyle Fuller forced the fumble and they went in 14, 13 at the half and came out flat in the second half and didn't score any points in the third quarter again, but they somehow pulled it out. And I mean, it, it doesn't matter how you cut it. You know, it's one of those things when I, and I keep seeing people say, you know, the bears are the worst four and one team in history and blah, blah. It's like, okay, who cares? They're still four and one. That's the reality of the situation. This team still has holes. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but it's a situation where, I mean, the more you keep winning, you know, and the more time you're giving yourself to figure it out and hopefully get on some sort of streak. And at least according to football outsiders, uh, when looking at DVO rankings, uh, DVOA rankings over the first uh, five games of the season, the only team that has somehow actually been worse through the first five games of the season at a four on one record was the 2010 Chicago bears. And I think we remember what happened with the 2010 Chicago bears. They turned it on after the bye week got all the way to the NFC championship game. And, you know, if not for Cutler getting hurt, I mean, they may have gone to the super bowl that year. I, you just never know. So again, it's, it's early in the season. They're doing really well in terms of conference record. They're four. zero. obviously got another big game against the Panthers coming up this weekend, but uh, you know, it's you just got to really at this point, it's, it's hoping that they stay healthy. And it's also hoping that the offense can somehow figure it out and Nick Foles can get going more consistently and more early in the game. And they can start scoring more points. Yeah. I mean, if, if you talk to this Bears team and you tell them, oh, you're the worst four and one team, you know, since that 2010 team, uh, they're really not going to care Four and one's four and one to them. And then they do know, you know, Matt Nagy has said that we have to get this offense going and we have to fix the offense now before it kind of spirals out of control. But, I mean, we can't really complain. Like you said, they have their weaknesses, but they did beat a Tom Brady-led 
Buccaneers team, who I think is pretty damn good, and I think will be there, you know, near the end of the season in that playoff race, if not the winners um, of the NFC South. So yeah, I'll take it. I know you'll take it, Aaron, because it, it just feels great to be four and one, um, especially for a team that's had a quarterback change already and hasn't been, you know, the best at stopping the run on defense. Other than that, you know, they've looked pretty well or pretty good on defense, and, and they've had their moments there on offense, but. You know, Tef gets, Tess gets a little tougher here. They have two straight road games. They have the Panthers in Carolina this week, and then they'll travel for another primetime game in Los Angeles um, against the Rams. But what's interesting about this Panthers game is, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this will be the first game the Bears will play in front of fans, although it'll be limited capacity in Carolina. I don't know the exact number they can have in there, but I do know they are allowing fans. So that might be, you know, a little bit of an interesting dynamic. And, if I do also remember correctly, I believe the Bear. There's a lot of Bears fans out there in that area for some reason. I just remember watching a couple of games over the last, you know, ten years in Carolina. I remember it being a pretty heavy Bears crowd. Yeah, I want to say, and I could be wrong, but I want to say it's nine thousand fans are going to be permitted in the stadium. So it will definitely be an interesting dynamic. I don't know if it's anything. You know, I don't think it's going to be big enough to really impact things one way or another at this point but either way I mean it's definitely going to be an interesting dynamic and you know as we get more into this I mean we'll talk about this I mean the Panthers were 0-2 I mean they were not looking good at all they looked like a rebuilding team and all of a sudden they reeled off three straight and their offense looks really good so I mean this is not going to be that easy game that I think a lot of people were expecting it to be maybe even a few weeks ago although as many people in my mentions have pointed out to me what Bears game has really been easy this year you know, I mean, that's really just the reality of the situation. I mean, what Bears game? Exactly. None of them have been easy. Even against an 0-5 Falcons team, it took a miracle in the fourth quarter for them to come back and win that game. That's just, I think at this point in time, we just have to get used to the fact that the Bears are not going to make it easy. Yeah, it's going to be a roller coaster every year. They've, they've already had a roller coaster every year and could very well, you know, be 1-4 instead of 4-1. and one. Um, on the season and I'm still waiting for them to play a full complete game Um, you know the third quarter still continues to haunt them the zero points in the third quarter the worst in the league but they're the best team in the fourth quarter so I'll say this it's not how you start but that's how you finish and there's 11 games left in the season they can very well turn this around and, and get fixed and become a good team we're going to break down that win over Tampa Bay we're also going to preview Carolina matchup with a special guest and then give our insights on that. Before we do that, though, let's hit our first break of the show. We'll be right back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Beautiful Home Services. For home improvement, trust the award-winning, locally owned and operated provider who has served the DMV area for over 15 years. Beautiful Home Services offers interior and exterior painting, bathroom and kitchen remodeling, basement finishing, carpentry, drywall, and other general remodeling services. We make home improvement dreams a beautiful reality. Learn more at BeautifulHomeServices.com. That's BeautifulHomeServices.com. Welcome back in here to the Bear Report Podcast. Let's just get right into things, Aaron. Uh, as you mentioned here in the show's open, you know, the Bears started off pretty slow against Tampa Bay, and they gave up the touchdown and then, you know, held them and gave up the field goal. And, you know, they were kind of down early there. But that second quarter, momentum started to turn, and, and the Bears put together a scoring drive. And then Kyle Fuller happened and delivered a textbook big hit. The play was ruled incomplete. They overturned it. It was a fumble. And from there, it just felt like, you know, the Bears had all the momentum and they took that 14-13 lead into the break. And, you know, even Nick Foles struggled in that first quarter. He missed Allen Robinson wide open. He had a horrendous throw um, to rookie Darnell Mooney. And going back and looking at that, you know, I wonder if part of it was miscommunication because that ball was, you know, a good 10, 15 yards from where, Mooney you know was when it hit the ground but after that it just feels like you know Foles has been streaky throughout his entire career and I think we felt that you know he was streaky bad in the first quarter and then he kind of just turned it on and you know if he can play like he played in that second quarter this Bears offense would look a lot better the rest of the year. Well, and I think the big thing to kind of remember here, and this is something that we talked about on the show, I mean, if you go back and you watch Nick Foles, wherever he's been, whether that's been, you know, Philadelphia or more recently Jacksonville, he's always been inconsistent. He's always had accuracy issues at times. I mean, that's just kind of his MO. I mean, the whole Foles magic thing comes from the fact that he's able to turn it on 
and play well when it matters the most. And that's just the reality of who he is as a quarterback. And what I'm curious about going back to, especially that Darnell Mooney throw, I think he just flat out missed Allen Robinson. And, and when in live, when you watch the throw to Darnell Mooney, I mean, if he hits him, that's a touchdown. I mean, if he hits him in stride and, and whatever else, that's a touchdown. What I am curious about, and this is something that I think is kind of interesting to touch on as well when we're talking about the Tampa Bay game, is after that game, Matt Nagy was pissed off. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen him that pissed off before. I mean, we're talking – I mean, even going back to 2018, his first year as a head coach, I don't know if you remember this, when the Bears started off 3-1 and one, and then they lost two games in a row and they went to 3-3, three and three, and Matt Nagy basically gave some, like, borderline speech to the media – about the fact that they're still in good shape and that maybe they should think about that. And then you see Nagy's reaction after the game offensively. It had nothing to do with the defense, and it was all offensively and talking about the fact that they lack detail and that they lack execution. And I think that's something that is very key moving forward because as Patrick Finley pointed out on the, you know, in an article that he had not too long ago, uh, today, which is, I guess, Tuesday, um, he basically said that Nick Foles has had three full practices with this Bears first team offense since the start of the year, since he took over at quarterback, you know, the starting quarterback position. So I think that there's a lot of communication that still needs to happen and that there's a lot of feeling out that still needs to happen. But I think when you look at the other plays that are going on, maybe Mooney made a mistake there. I don't know. I don't know if maybe he he was supposed to run to the point where it falls through the ball and maybe he just didn't, which to me wouldn't make a ton of sense just because I think if Mooney catches it where falls through it, I don't know that he can cut back up the sideline and get the touchdown. I think you're talking, you know, a, what was that like a 40 yard gain or whatever it was and maybe a 50 yard gain. And then that's going to be it. Cause he's going to end up going out of bounds because that's where the ball is leading him. But I, I think it's very key to note that Nagy is obviously, I mean, I'm sure everybody to a certain extent is happy that the Bears are four and run right now. But when you look at how they've gotten a four and one and how inconsistent they've been, especially offensively, I mean, the Bears defense has given up 19 points, two straight games. They're one and one. I mean, that's just not acceptable, especially in a league when coming into that game, uh, Tampa Bay's offense was I want to say they were eighth in the league in scoring and they're averaging 30 points a game. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's the kind of state that the NFL has been so far uh, in 2020 is this is an offensive league. And if, if your defense is giving up an average of 19 points a game through two games, you know, 19 points each game, you should win those games. And I think that, you know, I, and again, this isn't a negative. I just think it's interesting that, that Nagy was, more upset with the execution and the details or lack of details of this offense than he was about talking about a you know a big win on prime time because make no mistake I don't get, I don't care how they won I don't care how they look through basically the first what was it you know 28 minutes of the game whatever it was I don't care how they look to that point the fact is they broke a streak Tom Brady was five and zero going to that game against them they broke a streak yes he's 43 years old but it doesn't matter the Bears went out. And they beat a good Tampa Bay, a good Tampa Bay team on primetime. And, you know, but it's interesting to me that Nagy has enough awareness to say, okay, even though we are four and one, we still have issues. And a lot of those issues are offensively. And, you know, it's going to be one of those situations where moving into the next few weeks, especially this week against Carolina, they're going to need to get that figured out. Yeah. And, and sitting there in that press conference on Friday, you could tell, you know, Nagy didn't really swear or anything like that. He had a different tone to his voice, and you could just feel that he wasn't happy with the offense. He kept on going back to the details and saying out of third and longs and how many times the Bears have been in those third and longs. You know, you have to avoid those. And, again, in that game against Tampa Bay, they were three for ten on third, on third downs. And that kind of – you know, the win kind of overshadowed that. But they have been really, really bad on third downs on offense. And – you know, just like I said, listening to Nagy go over, it's got to be details, details, details. We got to get them right. And not only, you know, the players, but the coaches as well. He mentioned that both sides have to figure it out. Both sides have to get on the same page and get it right in order for this thing to, to fully run the offense to achieve what it needs to achieve. And we also got the chance to listen to Juan Castillo today. And I thought he said something interesting when, you know, he was asked about the run game and the offensive line. And he said, you know, we gotta got to go back to those fundamentals and get the fundamentals right. And details and fundamentals, two key parts to an offense that you're going to need 
you know, shirt up and need to be rolling 100% to get things going. Now, can they do that? That's going to be the biggest question of these next couple of games. I mean, if the Bears are winning tight games and their offense is struggling, they're winning games because of their defense, then it's kind of one of those, oh, here we go again, another broken record. We're saying the same thing over and over. It's the defense having to carry the team. It's the, the offense is hurting, hurting them. But if they start winning games because of their offense and they're putting up more points, I'd make myself feel a lot more comfortable with this team. Because, you know, I, I said in the beginning, 4-1 and one is 4-1. and They're going to take it. But at some point, they're going to have to have a better offense if they're going to want to be considered a legit threat. You look at the NFC, and you have Green Bay and Seattle, two top teams that are unbeaten right now. Um, the NFC East, you're really not going to expect much out of them coming out of the, you know, into the playoffs. They're going to get at least one spot just because they have to. Then you look, Tampa Bay is a team that could be deadly down the stretch and, and very, very dangerous. Um, if they can figure some things out and get healthy, the Saints, who knows what we're going to get from them. Um, and then you look at the West, I mean, any of those teams can really come out of there and be legit threats. The Bears offense are going to have to get going here if they want to be considered a legit threat. Absolutely. I mean, it, here's the thing. I mean, a lot of their inconsistencies right now are simply coming from the offense. I mean, Again, the, the defense hasn't been as good as they have been the last two years. I think they're definitely inching closer to what they were last year. And obviously, you know, it was health permitting. I think they'll, they'll absolutely get there and probably eclipse that. But this is all on the offense right now. I mean, just it's, it's almost kind of interesting to watch these games and watch how it seems like the defense kind of feeds on the offense. You know, it's like the offense goes down and they have a three and out or they don't score points. And maybe the Bears defense makes a stop. And at worst, they give up, you know, three points or whatever. But then it's just a constant battle, a constant battle of them keeping the Bears in the game until the offense can get going. And, and I mean, we've seen it. It seems like the Bears defense makes more stops when the offense gets going. And I think that when you're looking at the overall importance of what the Bears are going to do for the rest of the season, I mean, they're off, to an, they're, they're off to a very good start. Four and one, I don't care how they got there. It's, it's a good thing that they're four and one, especially when you look at some of the, the, the games that they have on their schedule over the next five or six weeks. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough road. And I mean, but you know, and, but that's the thing is when you look at the league right now as a whole, there's not a lot of teams playing consistent football. Now, are there teams playing better than the bears? Absolutely. I mean, I would say probably one of the only teams that's playing consistently good football week in and week out so far is, you know, as tough as this is to say is the Green Bay Packers. I mean, the Green Bay Packers have looked like unquestionably the best team in the league right now. Their offense is firing on all cylinders. Their defense has been improved. Uh, you know, they've looked really good, but there's a lot of inconsistent teams out there. And again, going back and looking at, you know, just, you know, the DVOA rankings and the different things and the inconsistencies. I mean, you can go back to 2018 and look you know, the Bears were three and one, and then they were three and three at one point, and it took them a while to really get everything in sync. It was either their defense was playing really well and their offense was struggling or vice versa, and it was never like things were really going that well. And I, the defense hasn't, again, hasn't been elite, but they've been pretty dang good. And I think obviously the biggest concern there is against the run. And that's something that hopefully they'll get figured out. John Jenkins is entering his, you know, 21 day window. So hopefully he'll be back soon, but yeah, I mean, the offense has got to play substantially better. Uh, you know, I, as we've noticed over the last two weeks, they've played two really tough defenses against a run and they've accumulated less than 70 total rushing yards in those two weeks. I mean, obviously part of that is probably that, uh, Trubisky isn't able to kind of scramble around and get some extra yards or to kind of help pad their, you know, rushing stats, uh, offensively when Trubisky was in, but either way, they got to start running the ball better. Um, and then obviously as well, I mean, they just, they have to be more consistent. It's not like they're not getting opportunities. And that's the frustrating thing right now is they are getting opportunities. They're either kicking field goals or they're stalling out around midfield or even an opponent's territory. And that's the more frustrating thing is they're just simply not finishing drives the way that we know that they can, even if it's 50% of the time versus what they're doing right now, they're probably putting up another seven to 10 points a game, which is much better than what it is right now. Yeah. And, you know, you look at that rushing offense, you know, the first three weeks are over 133 in the ground per game. And they face two really good front sevens in Indianapolis and Tampa Bay, and they're under 40 yards in both of those games. This week will provide another opportunity. The, the Panthers are giving up 133 on the ground. 
um, uh, per game so far this year, and they've really struggled to stop the run. So uh, I think the Bears can get that run game going uh, uh, this week and hopefully build some momentum because they also have another tough front seven in a couple of weeks when they have to go out to L.A. and face the Rams, um, you know, by Aaron Donald out there. You know, one thing I want to touch on in this game, you know, with Tampa Bay is, Man, Cleo Mack was on another level in that game. Should have had three sacks, finished the game with two, had about five or six pressures, was just in Tom Brady's face all game long. And I think he had a great quote after the game. Um, someone asked him, you know, what did you see out there with Tom? And he goes, we pretty much just smelled blood in the water. And, you know, rewatching that TV broadcast, you could tell Brady was so frustrated um, that the Bears' pass rush was getting there. And it felt like every play – Cleo Mack was beating his man, the rookie Tristan Wirfs, and he also had that, that body slam on a 320-pound man, made it look easy. That's ridiculous strength. So, yeah, it's good to see Cleo Mack finally going out there and getting sacks. I mean, watching him, you can see the pressures he's getting. He just hadn't had time to, to kind of finish those sacks. Hopefully this is a start of him getting, you know, better as the year goes on and starting to dominate. And then the other thing I want to point out was, Man, this secondary is pretty damn good. I know Jalen Johnson gave up the touchdown to Mike Evans, but you know, that's just a veteran, a really good wide receiver, Mike Evans, beating a rookie. And then you look, Eddie Jackson, no targets. I thought Tayshawn Gibson played really well. And a guy that gets a lot of heat for I don't know what reason, Buster Screen has been pretty damn good this year, especially for the Bears. So I think this defense is starting to roll right now, and that's a good sign. Well, and I think some fans can breathe a sigh of relief that Cleo Mack is actually putting stat, you know, sacks on the stat sheet. I, you know, all you got to do is watch him play. I mean, yeah, maybe he hadn't been getting the quarterback all that much uh, up until this last game. But, dude, Cleo Mack's been really damn good. I mean, there's just no other way around it. He's been really good. And, really, Robert Gwynn actually had a really good game, too. It didn't really translate into sacks. But, I mean, it's kind of the same thing we saw with Khalil Mack the last few weeks where he's ramping up, he's getting more pressures, he's getting more hits, and then, you know, usually the sacks start coming. Yeah, the, the Bears' defensive front actually impressed me because it was one of those situations going into the game where Tampa Bay had done a lot of attacking short and they'd done a lot of getting the ball quickly and Tom Brady really hadn't been sacked that many times and the Bears were able to do a very good job of getting to Brady and, like you said, really frustrated them. And, yeah, I mean, looking at the secondary, I mean, Jalen Johnson didn't have the best game, uh, but he still made a few plays. Uh, I thought, you know, the, the touchdown, I'm not going to blame him for that. Here's the thing. He had really good coverage on the play. It was just a, it was a better throw, and it was a better play by Mike Evans. I mean, that just is what it is. Mike Evans, you know, even though he wasn't healthy, he's still a really damn good receiver. I think the one play that really bothered me with him was actually that deep shot to Mike Evans that they took uh, later on in that game where – Jalen Johnson was just flat out lost. Luckily, so was Mike Evans tracking down the ball or else that's a touchdown. And, you know, Jalen Johnson probably isn't even within five yards. Of him. But again, he's a rookie. That's going to happen. Those things are going to happen. I think overall the secondary, I mean, the defense as a whole, in my opinion, has done a pretty good job. I think they've been a little lackluster at times situationally getting off the field on third downs. Um, and then obviously against the run, that's something that really, really, really needs to improve. They really need to get it figured out because, man, they're, they're, they're playing with fire right now, especially – you know, in situations where later on down the game, you know, if they're if they're down in games, you know, it's like teams are going to be able to run the ball at will against them because they have all year. But I mean, yeah, I think I think a big part of that is just missing Eddie Goldman. But when you look at this defense as a whole, they're playing really well. I think another guy to kind of single out over the last few weeks that's really picked it up has been Danny Trevathan. Danny Trevathan doesn't look like he's two steps slower than everybody. I don't think he's having like an elite year or elite few games by any means, but he's definitely looking more rounded in the form and at least a guy that you can play uh, consistently. And then, you know, another guy that actually played a decent amount of snaps and had a pretty solid game was DeAndre Houston Carson, including that last pass breakup to end the game when Tom Brady thought it was 17th down or whatever it was. But, you know, it's just it, – it's it's great to see that the Bears are getting by defensively. And I think we knew that was going to happen. And I think, you know, if the – if the sacks come, I think everything else will come. I think the only other slight concern I have right now is they're not really forcing a lot of turnovers, especially when you're talking interceptions. Uh, and I think that hopefully that will be something that will come over time. I mean, their, their turnovers have been timely. I mean, look at the, the Fuller interception that happened in week one, and then obviously the Gibson interception that happened against the Falcons, and then 
you know, Kyle Fuller forcing that fumble again on Thursday night against the Bucks. I mean, that was a huge play. I mean, they've been timely, but you'd like to see more uh, takeaways as a whole. But, yeah, overall, I mean, the, the Bears' defense isn't the issue here. I mean, people can try to single them out whenever they want, but the reality of it is when you're, when you're giving up the points that they're giving up and you're doing what they're doing against the pass – I mean, really what it comes down to is if the Bears offense is averaging even 25 points a game right now, the Bears are 5-0, and and a lot of these questions about their inconsistencies uh, are a lot less. Yeah, for me, you know, it feels like this defense is really starting to come together, and we talked about the rush defense struggling, but – you know, you, you could kind of mask that a little bit with the rotation up front. The, the biggest worry for me about this defense is, is Dane Trevathan if he can get back on track. And if the linebackers, the inside linebackers in coverage can play better as the season goes on. I think that's going to be one of the keys to watch on that side of the football because look at them right now. I mean, they're almost – they're like top 11, top 10, or fringe top 10 in almost every major stat on defense except for rush defense right now. So very good. I'm on the top of the league in red zone defense and in third down um, defense, and that's what you want to see, you know, from your team at this point in the season, and hopefully they can keep it going. Aaron, let's uh, get into our interview with Cody Lackley of – C3 Podcast is an overtime media network podcast that covers the Carolina Panthers. He brought some great insight on, on what we should expect this week as the Bears and Panthers meet up in Charlotte. We'll be right back after this to wrap things up. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome back, Bears fans, to the Bear Report podcast. To get you ready for this big week six matchup between the Chicago Bears and Carolina Panthers, we have a very special guest He's a podcaster for the C3 Podcast as well on the Overtime Media Network. It is Cody Lashley. And, Cody, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time. Yeah, man. I'm happy to be here, happy to talk football in this crazy world, happy to have football. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about this matchup with you guys. So let's get right into it, man. The Bears come in. They're 4-1, just beat Tampa Bay. The, the Panthers come in. They beat a Falcons team that just now fired Dan Quinn. Uh what is what should we know right away about this Carolina Panthers team under uh, Matt Rule, first-year head coach? Yeah, that we're a team that is building, but building in the right direction. And, you know, going from Cam Newton to Teddy Bridgewater, it's really been uh, a hard thing for a lot of Panthers fans. And it's really caused some divide, too, because of who um, people believe Teddy Bridgewater to either be or not to be as a quarterback. But Um, This coaching staff has done a tremendous job of putting an offense around Teddy where he doesn't have to do a whole lot. Um, Our offense is pretty much predicated on uh, yards after catch and putting the ball in our receivers' hands and making them make plays. And he does that efficiently. He does that well. Um, And overall, I think our defense has really started to show some signs of life. Uh, First-round pick Derek Brown looks like a beast in the middle. And uh, he really has helped us to kind of defend the run better. We were putrid last year. Um, But this year, we're starting to make some gains in that department. And, um, you know, I'm really proud because we have so many young players on defense. And they're really having to kind of make up for pieces that they don't have. And it's a bunch of young players. Um, They've been very surprising, honestly. And um, they've been a breath of fresh air. Well, kind of like you mentioned, man, I, I think the big thing right now with the Panthers that's been highly impressive has been the offense. And this is kind of something I've noted for Bears fans because, uh, you know, I don't know how closely you follow the Bears during the offseason, but Teddy Bridgewater was one of their top targets at quarterback. And obviously they ended up trading for Nick Foles, and we've kind of seen how that's kind of, you know, fallen together so far. Yeah. But watching the Carolina offense has been impressive. I mean, there's just really no other way around it. Uh, so I was just kind of curious to get your take on this, though, because because 
it's going to be a little bit hot, but in my personal opinion, having watched the Panthers the last few weeks, it almost seems like their offense is running more efficiently and better overall with Mike Davis at running back than it has with Christian McCaffrey. Am I right about that? And, you know, it really boils down to kind of a fundamental philosophy on what you believe about football and is that's do you pay running backs and the Panthers fans you know we've been talking about this in relation to Christian McCaffrey we paid him all this money and then here comes you know fourth round forgotten about running back Mike Davis and man we're rolling I mean Mike Davis has that punch you in the mouth mentality I mean he intends to go through you and he is a hard runner and you know not having Christian on the field for us to think that we were going to pull off this kind of run. Um, a lot of Panther fans probably wouldn't have told you that was going to happen. Uh, more importantly, it's a testament to what is my uh, most surprising aspect of this football team, and that's how well our offensive line has been playing. I mean, they are running the football efficiently, pulling to the second level, minding their gaps. But they're giving Teddy Bridgewater time to distribute the ball. And that's what Panther fans were worried about because we don't have the name offensive line like the New Orleans Saints have. And they were able to give Bridgewater that time to be able to, you know, operate the offense. But Panther fans didn't know that we were going to have that this year. And they have really surprised us. I mean, they are giving Mike Davis, um, you know, extra room to be able to mine cutback lanes and, they're giving Teddy Bridgewater time to do his thing. And that's really been the most surprising aspect um, to this offense. And when I look at that offense, you know, you mentioned Mike Davis, the, he had a short stint with the Bears. Um, and, and then I look at Teddy Bridgewater. And I think one of the key guys is Robbie Anderson. And yeah. following him with the Jets, I always thought he was an underrated player, a really good deep threat. How has he been so far these first couple of weeks? Man, listen, the Panthers right now genuinely believe that they have two number one wide receivers on their roster, and that's DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Now, they go back together. Teddy Bridgewater has played with Robbie before, um, and then Matt Rule coached him at, um, I believe it was Temple. Um, So there really is a connection kind of between those three guys. Um, I mean, Robbie Anderson has been fantastic. He is a burner. He's very fast downfield. And Teddy Bridgewater, because of that connection, almost kind of targets him too much. Um, one of the criticisms of Panther fans is that, you know, uh, Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson now have this connection so much that there will be times when DJ Moore is wide open down the sideline and, and Teddy Bridgewater doesn't even think to go that way just because Robbie Anderson's Mr. Dependable. Um, he's good with the ball in the air. And uh, last Sunday, he uh, came down with a one-handed catch that was just absolutely beautiful. But um, he's really helped to open up our offense. And whenever the Panthers needed a big play downfield, they don't happen a lot with Bridgewater. But when they do happen, it's him to Robbie Anderson almost every time. Well, one of the things you said there was the the Panthers feel that they have two number one wide receivers and they're not wrong I mean it's it's I mean just looking at the numbers alone I mean Robbie Anderson's a top five receiver in terms of receiving yards right now and DJ Moore is within the top 15 I mean they've their offense has been clicking on all cylinders and I think even for the biggest Teddy Bridgewater fans at least in my opinion I I think he's he's absolutely exceeding expectations so far and I'm kind of curious just to kind of you know cap this off at least for me offensively how do you expect the Panthers to attack the Bears on Sunday because there's multiple different ways that they can go and I mean the Bears have a good defense maybe not as good as they have in the last two years but they still have a good defense how do you expect the Panthers to attack the Bears defense on Sunday I I mean if I'm being terribly honest I don't see us attacking the Bears much differently than we've attacked any other team at this point in time we want to be able to run the football on on second and on first and second down and on third down we don't want uh third and long we want those manageable third and sevens third and fives um because that benefits both Teddy Bridgewater and getting the ball out of his hand quick um but it also benefits us in in a way that and I've been taking a lot of heat on our own podcasts because I don't necessarily believe Teddy Bridgewater to be a franchise build your team around him kind of quarterback 
And you know, that's fine. You don't necessarily have to have that to be successful. But my biggest criticism of him is I would like to see the Panthers attack all areas of the field more. As I said earlier, what kind of uh, more of a yards after catch play. So get it to DJ Moore, Anderson, Curtis Samuel in stride and kind of let them do their own thing. And that's been successful um, for our offense thus far. I want to see the Panthers offense start to attack down the field more. Um, I think the Bears have one of the most respected uh, uh, defensive backfields that there is. I was such a big fan of Jackson in the draft, Eddie Jackson. Uh, and I just remember him ruining our day the last time uh, the Panthers played Chicago. So um, I, I, I honestly think our offense is going to be mid-range, dink and dunk, run the football, and don't let those safeties and those defensive backs um, make too many plays on the football. Defensively, looking at that Panthers defense, and I admittedly I haven't watched much of them. I saw a little bit of their game against the Falcons. But their rush defense is, is very poor right now. It's a, they're giving up 133 yeah. yards per game. And over here in Chicago, our rush offense the last two games has been, has been very poor. Matt Nagy said, we got established a run. I look at it as this is the perfect opportunity for the Bears to do that. How do you see that kind of playing out? Can the Panthers stop the Bears on the ground? Um, that's a good question. And my answer is kind of nuanced. Um, I think they'll have a good chance of doing it in the red zone. But I think in the middle of the field, yeah, if they mix in some, you know, some different things with Nick Foles and some different looks, I, I do see them being able to run the football. I kind of think Carolina is going to have a bend, don't break mentality when facing the Bears. Um, uh, part of that is because, one, Derek Brown, he's a rookie. He's still going through his rookie aspects, but then there are times when he just jumps off the field. I mean, he has grown man strength. Um, but to bolster that, our third-round pick, Jeremy Chen, um, has been a true delight uh, to this Panthers defense. And we play him how many Panther fans wanted um, us to play Isaiah Simmons if we were to have drafted him. So we'll put him at free safety. We'll put him at nickel. We'll put him at linebacker a lot just because we're kind of porous at that position. And that's part of the reason why our um, run defense isn't so hot. Um, it's those second-level plays uh, where you have guys like uh, Tareer Whitehead just missing open tackles in the middle of the field, and it's kind of embarrassing. So we're depending a lot on, on young players right now, and that's kind of why our run defense is still um, a work in progress. Also, we want to see more out of K1 Short, who's been hurt uh, the past few years but he's healthy now and playing a little bit better. And um, he's a big part of our, our pass rush and our ability to stop the run. So we're hoping to see a lot more from him. Well, and, and speaking of young players on that defense, uh, you know, kind of looking at the secondary a little bit, I mean, you've, you've kind of named some of the, some of the younger guys out there. And at least when I, one of the things I noticed when they played the Falcons this weekend was the fact that Dante Jackson uh, ended up going out with a toe injury and, that'll be interesting to see kind of develop. But another guy that kind of stood out to me a little bit um, and made a huge interception at the end of the game was Justin Burris. And I'm just kind of curious to get your overall take on this, this secondary, because I mean, when you're looking at the names, I mean, there's not a lot of proven guys out there. I mean, obviously no. Trey Boston is a, is a good name, uh, but I mean, they, they've kind of got a reclamation project, even in a guy like Roswell Douglas. But when you look at their numbers against the pass, they've actually been really good. I mean, they're allowing under 250 yards a game in the, in the, in the pass game. So just kind of give me a little bit of a breakdown on the, on the secondary and what, what Bears fans can expect to see on Sunday. Well, Dante Jackson, we were hoping that we had a shutdown corner in the form of Dante Jackson when we drafted him in the second round. Um, you know, I remember watching him and scouting him at LSU, and uh, he had great ball skills, very fluid hips. He could stay in your hip pocket and run the route for the receiver. Um, but he's been dealing with a lot of injuries. And on top of that, He's had discipline issues, not from an aspect of like off the field stuff, but, you know, not, not minding his eyes, doing the wrong thing, paying attention to the wrong things, being out of place. Um, and now to have him have these injuries, um, it really does kind of leave Panther fans to feel like um, we do have some big holes in our backfield. Thank God for Russell Douglas. Um, 
we had signed Eli Apple before the season starts and uh, started, and he has done absolutely nothing for us. He was uh, started the season on IR. Now they're trying to work him back, but you still – I was never a fan of him when he was with the Giants or with the Saints. So, um, But then for us to grab Rasul Douglas, that's been a big help for us, um, for our defensive backfield, um, trying to keep everything in front of us. Justin Burris is an interesting one, though, because most of that game versus Atlanta, he was out of his place. I mean, he really kind of gave up some boneheaded plays um, at that safety position and sometimes the move in the corner as well. Um, but he kind of redeemed himself at the end with that interception. So now everyone comes away thinking of him and that interception. Um, listen, we have a lot of young guys on defense. And it's definitely going to show in this game, I feel. Um, I, I feel it's, it's been showing itself, um, despite what the stats say. Um, they've been good, but not shut down, which is about as good as you can ask for. Um, Phil Snow has done a good job of working with the, the, the guys that we have. But there isn't a lot of name talent, and it's a lot of younger guys and former players from different you know, regimes of Panther football that have been second and third round picks like Corn Elder that just kind of meandered on the roster and never did much. So um, I think the Bears have an opportunity to have a pretty potent passing offense um, against Carolina, but that a lot of it is dependent upon their pass rush. And if they're able to get home, um, you know, I, I can just see it moving – a lot of different ways, but the, the, the Bears have a good opportunity, I feel, in the red zone to really put up some points, um, and we'll see, we'll see how it works out, but it's a problem aspect that we're trying to put more talent in our defensive backfield. And, you know, my final question before I let you go, unless Aaron has another one, I know that you're a Clemson fan as well, so I have to ask oh, you yeah. this. Everyone knows about Trevor Lawrence, probably the top quarterback prospect of the draft. What can you tell us about Travis Etienne? Because when I watch him, Electric. The word electric just pops up, and he I think he is as good of a draft prospect as Lawrence. You know, man, I, I don't know. Uh, I'll try and keep this as PC as possible. Travis Etienne is like Alvin Kamara with a rocket booster up his ass. <laughs> Dude, he is incredible. Um, he has that – and the reason I, I compare him to, to Alvin Kamara is because he has that weird wiggle about him where even when you hit him, he doesn't go down. Like he just keeps on trucking. Um, and now if, if you've watched him this season, one of the things that they really tried to do with Travis Etienne is open him up uh, in the receiving department and get him involved in the passing game too. I mean, listen, by the time this season is done, I think he will have every noticeable record an ACC running back can have. He's on pace to break uh, the touchdown record uh, all time by a running back, I believe. Um, he's incredible. I think for the past uh, three years, the two best players in college football have played literally right next to each other. And that's a rare scenario for something like that to happen. Yeah, he's he's very good. I was, I was watching that game. I'm, I'm actually a North Carolina fan, so I, I do watch okay. the ACC. And I was watching that game against Miami, and it's like every time he touched the football, it was just electric. And he is a great draft prospect, and he's like he sounds like the type of guy. I don't know if Aaron wants to chime in on this that the Bears could really use in their backfield for the future. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree the Bears could use him, but I, I think he's. I mean, he's outstanding. I think he's going to end up being a first round pick and maybe even a top fifteen pick. And as we know, the Bears are probably going to be looking for a quarterback. And if yeah. they continue their trend, especially at four and one right now, man, it's going to be. I, I don't think they're going to have a top fifteen pick unless they trade up. And for the love of God, I do not want to see Ryan Pace trade up for another running back. So, <laughs> so I don't know excellent, how much, excellent stuff, by the way. Yeah, though. thank you. I don't know how much time you guys have, but if I could ask a question of you guys maybe do you feel um good about this matchup do you think that this is another um win for a, a gutsy bears team or how are you viewing this match uh, personally you know before the season started i thought i you know it was gonna be a tough road game but i had the bears as the advantage um i still think the bears can win the game i think they will but i think it's gonna be very close i think it's gonna be 
one of those games where it's going to come down to the wire and maybe a late field goal or late defensive stand by either team will win it. Um, I've been, I will say this, I've been impressed by what I've seen from Carolina and kind of going back and watching highlights. I thought kind of full rebuilding year, first year head coach, probably start off, you know, one in four or something like that. But I mean, they're a better team than I think a lot of people give them credit for right now. And I'll echo that as well. I, I going into the season, I, I thought the the Panthers were going to be in for more of a rebuild. Um, but here's the thing: I mean, I'm an Oklahoma fan. I'm a Big Twelve fan, so I've seen what Matt Rule's done with Baylor. I mean, Matt Rule is an excellent head coach, and I think he's going to be an excellent head coach at the NFL level. But over the last three games, because uh, I've I usually try to go back and watch at least a few games of each Bears opponent. You know, the week of, the week before, whatever it sure. may be, and. I mean, they've they've been impressive. I mean, it's not like, you know, and that's the thing, like, and, and Bears fans have kind of, you know, trashed other teams' wins and stuff like that. But it's like they they dominated Atlanta for the most part. I mean, they have played really good football. And, again, I, I think the thing that really impresses me the most with the Panthers right now is offensively. I mean, they've got two really good receivers. Mike Davis has been outstanding, which is kind of unfortunate for the Bears considering they signed him to a free agent contract last year, a two-year deal, and then turned around and, and cut him and got the comp pick. I understand, yeah. you know, kind of why they did it. But, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I was a lot more confident a few weeks ago going into this game, and I, I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be an interesting one of matchups because, again, like I said, I think Carolina's got a really good offense, and the Bears' defense hasn't quite been as good as I think a lot of people expected, but, I, you know, they're obviously still good defense. But more importantly for me, uh, focusing on the Bears' offensive side of the ball, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see – if they can kind of get things going. Because a report came out today, I'm sure you don't follow the Bears overly closely, basically a report came out today that Nick Foles has had three actual practices with the Bears offense since taking over as a starting quarterback. So, I mean, this is kind of a good, especially since they played on Thursday night, this is going to be a good week for him to kind of get those three practices in and and do a little bit more than these Zoom walkthroughs that they've been doing. So, I – I'm not as confident. I, I will admit that. I think it is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, nothing would surprise me at this point. And, I mean, look at the Panthers right now. They're 3-2. and two. I mean, they're, they're tied for the division lead right now. I mean, they're right in the mix of things. And, and even, if, even if they don't end up panning out this year and they don't end up finishing 9-7, 10-6, I mean, they still got a really bright future, man. They got a lot of good offensive weapons. And I've actually been impressed watching them over the last few weeks. Thank you. And, you know, I'm thinking about this team and – before the start of the season, we thought, I mean, we thought we were going to be in the running for Trevor Lawrence. And look, man, as you already mentioned, I, I'm a Clemson fan. Like, how often do you get the opportunity to have the your college quarterback play for your professional football team? You know, if, but this team has been surprising. Um, uh, I will say one thing about our matchup. Um, uh, I'm really interested um, to see where they put Khalil Mack. And if they put him um, on the right side, uh, that would be him and Taylor Moten. Uh, Taylor Moten has, is our right tackle. I'm amongst the Panther fans that have been screaming for us to re-sign him. I genuinely believe he's one of the better tackles in the NFL. And you have the best pass rushers lining up on that side now. It's no longer that, well, your best pass rusher goes against the left tackle. That's not today's NFL. So um, if I'm, I don't know if maybe you can – shine some light on that specifically. I don't know where they intend to line up Khalil Mack, but uh, I would really uh, like the opportunity to see Khalil on Taylor because I'm a really big fan of Khalil Mack. Um, One, we have the same birthday, which is weird enough. I I don't know why I know that about Khalil, but I do. Um, But I also think that he is an absolute monster of a man. And if uh, Taylor Moten has a good day against Khalil, then that echoes it even more for me that Carolina needs to sign their franchise right tackle. Yeah, the Bears. Think- oh, go ahead, Aaron. Well, I was you- just going to say, I, I think basically what you'll see is, I mean, you'll you'll see a mix-up. I mean, Robert Quinn hasn't been getting the sack numbers yet, but he's actually been pressuring quarterback pretty well over the last few weeks. But, I mean, they've been switching up quite a bit. I mean, Mac did did work on both uh, offensive tackles for Tampa Bay last week. So that's going to be an interesting thing, too, because, I mean, you just brought that up in terms of sacks and stuff like that. It's like, you know, Carolina hasn't given up a lot of sacks and they haven't had a lot of sacks. But I think that's going to be a big key for the Bears because last week against Tampa Bay, you know, Tom Brady's an immobile quarterback. I mean, he's 43 right. years old. He's never really been a very athletic guy. But when you're looking at Teddy Bridgewater, it's like watching him. He's been doing a good job of getting out of the 
pocket. He may not be the athlete that he was uh, back in Minnesota, but he's definitely got some of that mobility back. So, I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. I think that's going to be a very interesting thing to watch, but I expect Mac to be on both sides, just like Robert Quinn. I, I don't know what Zach has to say about it though. Yeah. You pretty much echoed exactly what I was going to say. And you'll, it might look weird too, because they'll actually drop Quinn back or um, Mac back in coverage a little more than you'd expect as well. As uh, you do, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it's kind of odd seeing them, especially like – I mean, I don't know how many times they've done it this year, but I, mean, I think, Aaron, you, you remember last year, there was a couple third downs, a couple key third downs they had them in coverage, and we're kind of thinking, oh, your best pass rusher, you know, in pass coverage on third down. I don't know how, how uh, great that's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know why you would do it either. Um, like I said, I think Khalil is incredible. He's one of my favorite defensive linemen to watch. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a good matchup. I'm, I'm really interested to see um, how how our offensive line handles. But what I think is a really good defensive line in general. Cam Hicks as well. Um, the Bears have a pretty vaunted defense. So I'm excited to see if we can keep Teddy clean. Should be a good one. Uh, Cody, thanks again for joining us, man. Where can uh, everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Cody Lack, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. Um, I am also the Panthers analyst for DraftTech.com. So if you're into mock drafts and college football, um, check out DraftTech.com. I write all the comments for the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans, but the Houston Texans don't have a first or a second round, so I never write for them. <laughs> uh, and... Um, uh, yeah, you can find me tonight, um, every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. on the C3 Carolina Cat Chronicles podcast with all my guys. And, um, yeah, every Sunday after the game, too, uh, we do a post-game show where we react to the game and give our initial thoughts and impressions and um, talk about Panthers football. So check us out. Perfect. Thank you again, man. We'll have to do it again in the future. Yeah, man, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Every day can bring changes, challenges, and opportunities that can also change your personal or business financial goals and priorities. As a true partner, Sandy Spring Bank can make it all a bit easier. Someone who really listens, understands, and then creates solutions in hard times and good times. We'll always strive to be your advocate today and every day. That's real banking for real life and real business. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real member FDIC. Welcome back in here to the Bear Report Podcast. That was Cody Lashley that you heard on the interview. Gave some great insight on the Panthers and what we should expect here. Aaron, I look at this game, and I know you you mentioned it earlier as well. You know, before the season started, I thought, okay, this would be kind of an easier win for the Bears. But the Panthers have been playing some pretty good football under first-year head coach Matt Rule, the former Baylor head coach. And, you know, they're, they're no pushover, especially on the road. They're a 3-2 and two team with a good offense. Um, you know, their defense, we, we touched on how – poor the rush defenses, but their secondary has a couple, you know, unlikely playmakers right now that's playing, they're playing at a high level. And for the Bears, you're four and one, and it's very easy to, to come off a week in which you beat a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that has Tom Brady, one of the greatest to ever play the game. It's prime time. A lot of emotions after that game. You could have a letdown. And this is what's going to, this, this game right here should tell us a lot about this Bears team. If they come out and have, look flat and have a letdown, I think they could be in some trouble here the rest of the year because you have that tough game the following week in Los Angeles. If they come out, you know, fired up and playing good football, I think it could be a big turning point to more success down the line. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is going to be a game of matchups. I mean, this is really what this comes down to in terms of you got a, it's one team and the Panthers who are, in my opinion, very good offensively. And even though their defensive numbers don't exactly show it, especially in the secondary, I think there's a lot of areas for the Bears to actually have some success. But then, you know, you look at the the Panthers' offense, and they've been firing on all cylinders. I mean, this is not to undersell or oversell anything at this point. Teddy Bridgewater's looked really good. They have two, in terms of receiving yards, they have two of the top, I think, 13 receivers in the league right now. Um, Christian McCaffrey goes out, Mike Davis steps in, and has looked outstanding in place of him. I actually think their offense has been running better. 
um, since Mike Davis has come in. But yeah, I mean, this is this is not going to be a pushover game. And again, I mean, to a certain extent, if we're talking about it, I mean, no game has really been easy for the Bears this year. But this isn't one of those games, you know, a few weeks back where a lot of people are like, well, you know, if, if they could somehow beat, you know, Tampa Bay and they can get off to a you know solid start, you know, Carolina should be one of those games that they should win. And they should probably still win this game. Don't get me wrong. But this is not going to be an easy game, and it's going to be one that, like you pointed out, I mean, you're, you're talking about two things here. You're talking about an emotional win at home against, uh, you know, a good Buccaneers team, for one. And two, you're talking about a little bit of a mini-bye week here, and obviously a mini-bye week and a bye week are not the same thing, but the Bears have come out very flat in their two bye weeks under Matt Nagy, and that's going to be something that's going to be somewhat interesting to see moving forward is – how do they come out in this game? How do they look, you know, are they, are they, you know, did they come out and look like they did against the Colts, which look like a team that never should have taken the field or they come out and they, you know, they look like an energized group and they actually have some energy and they take advantage of the mismatches on offense and really try to get things going. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. And I mean, if you're just looking at that, that, that noon window, uh, I actually think far and away that that's actually going to be the best matchup, which is, quite funny because I think a few weeks ago you could make an argument that that would probably be one of the worst matchups um, of the, of the week in general, even if, you know, maybe the bears were, let's just say three and two and the Panthers were two and three. I mean, that's not a very intriguing matchup, but now you're talking about a four and one bears team against a three and two Panthers team who has won three straight games. And this is a big game for a multitude of different reasons. But I think one of the big reasons it is a big game is because when you look at the wild card standings right now, as it stands, there's really nine contenders of, you know, and there's basically eight teams total in the NFC that are over 500. Obviously, you know, you have to count one of the NFC East teams right now, which is a complete disaster. But this is a big game in terms of tiebreakers and in terms of conference record, and in terms of everything else. I mean, the Bears get off to a five and one start, even with the tough schedule that they have coming up, they're still in good shape. Yeah, and, you know, another chance to pick up a win against an NFC opponent, which, you know, would be a tiebreaker for a wild card um, uh, in the playoffs. So, yeah, and also, you know, Green Bay has a tough game against Tampa Bay. I mean, that's no pushover for them either. So the Bears could find themselves right there in first place, the NFC North with a win if Green Bay loses um, coming off their bye. I think it's just a big game. you got to come out. you got to set the tone early, play a full, consistent game, and get a big road win. I mean, wins in the NFL are tough as it is, but getting road wins are even tougher. So let's see what this team's got you know, avoid the emotional letdown after coming off a big win. You've had the extra days of practice, you know, go out there. Hopefully it's offense really gets going and delivers a win. Uh, I'll start with you, Aaron, on our predictions to kind of wrap things up. Uh, you want to give a prediction and X factor? Yeah. So I, I think, again, this is going to be a close game, uh, but I do think this is a game that the Bears should win. I'm going to go 27-23 Bears. I think that, again, Carolina's offense is – is good. I mean, there's just no other way around it. And I think they could actually pose some bigger threats than what the Bears have seen over the last few weeks with some of these other offenses. Uh, but again, on the other side of the token, I think that this is a game that the Bears offense should be able to get going and should be able to score some points. I think they should be able to establish a run early. And then there's some there's some exploitations to be had in that secondary. I mean, again, not really to knock the Panthers in any way, but at the same time, they're still a young team. They don't have an elite secondary by any means. Uh, we don't know if Jackson's actually going to play or not. I mean, there's there's definitely some some holes to be attacked there. Uh, as far as the X factor goes, I mean, it's got to be the running game at this point, right? I mean, you, you look at what the Bears have done offensively the last few weeks, and they scored, uh, what, a total of, I want to say, 30 points over the last two games against two good defenses. Don't get me wrong, but one of the biggest issues was they could not run the ball. They had less than 70 yards combined in those two games. So I think establishing the run against the defense that is giving up over 130 rushing yards per game is going to be big. And, you know, it's just one of those situations where I think if the Bears offense wants to get going, it needs to be balanced. And, okay, you know, Foles wants to throw the ball 35, maybe 40 times, that's fine. But you also better be running the ball 20-plus times, and you better actually be getting good production from that. So that's going to be my expected. Yeah, I think the Bears are going to win as well. Um, I'm going to say 23-20 Bears. And, you know, I, I do think the run game is a big factor in this one. I'm going to go over, though, and say that the Bears have to get some pressure on Teddy Bridgewater. You know, watching Carolina, Bridgewater's getting the ball out well, or getting the ball out quick. Their offensive line is doing a really good job protecting him. Um, they're moving him around in the pocket, getting him to the edges where, you know, he can't get pressured as much. 
and the protection is also matching the route. So giving him just enough time to get, deliver the ball at the end of the route for the receiver. And he's looked pretty good. And, and let's not forget, last season, you know, going into that Saints game without Drew Brees, I thought the Bears were going to win that game. And they came out flat. And Bridgewater had a very good game against them. They cannot let him do that again this year. you got to get pressure on him, make him uncomfortable, don't let him get in a rhythm, and, and stop the run game. And, you know, former Bear Mike Davis has had a very good past three weeks or so, three games, uh, filling in for Christian McCaffrey. So, yeah, I'm going to say the Bears win this one. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to come down to either defensive stand at the end or if the Bears, you know, get a field goal um, late from Cairo Santos to, to get them to 5-1. and one. Uh, Aaron, thanks again for joining me. As always, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work at thebearreport.com. And as always, you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at, at @bearreport. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach Z A C K underscore Pearson. You can read my work on the Bear Report. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode to recap Week Six and preview Week Seven. Till then, everyone, stay safe. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.